Hey, Dennis, how are you doing? We're back on the podcast. It's been a week of uh, lots of interesting tennis and uh, good stuff to talk about. We also have exciting events coming up. So we're in the like crunch time period of the tennis calendar. It's, it's nearing the end where we move into 2023. But before that, we have some exciting events. So uh, have you been watching any tennis this week? Hola, everyone. Uh, I'm good, Giannis. Thank you very much. And, um, and thanks for the introduction, uh, as always. Yes, I mean it has been a pretty good week. I think um, you know we we talked about the unnecessary uh, unnecessity of um, of the two fifties in many ways, but I think they, these uh, these were pretty good. And um, you know, three uh, really exciting winners. Um, obviously, Felix uh, found his form, and we talked about him last time. And you know, he's he's like unbeaten now in ten matches, and you know, it's it's a good run what he's doing, and and you know, big up for him. But we wanted to talk about the other two guys, who's Musetti, who beat Berrettini in the final on hardcore as well, which is which is pretty interesting that that's his second tour uh, win because he he won Hamburg and now he won uh, Napoli, which which was apparently the worst tournament of the year uh, by far. So it, you know the accommodation was absolutely horrific. The conditions were awful. It's um, it's an old club. It's a beautiful club. I've been there actually, and it, and it and it looks absolutely stunning. It's it's by the beach. You know, it, it's it's a nice club, but they put like hard courts on top of clay courts, and that never really works out well. Musetti actually did pretty well, and and big up for him that he he could pull through. You know, he's uh, he's a really temperamental um, Italian who's who has a massive game. He's I've seen him live when when he was fifteen, I think. And he was one of the big things. I I, I think I already spoke uh, talked about that. The other is Holger Brune, who who we also spoke about. So wow, I mean, it has been a pretty interesting week. Um, and and there's actually a lot to lot to talk about. But you know, that's that's as like a, a long introduction to what you've been saying. Yeah, but it's funny because that uh, yeah Napoli event was getting a lot of criticism i guess the scheduling and they had like uh, water coming in because of the the wind taking in water from the ocean like humidity issues it was just issue after issue with the scheduling and everything so uh, it was their first time then you always have some growing pains so hopefully next year if it's still around uh, it would be a better event as we talked about before the italians are doing really well on the tour and and with events and politically in the atp so for them makes sense to have more events. And Musetti, great talent, fun to watch. Really impressed that he beat Berrettini. It was actually Berrettini's first hardcourt final, which I thought was a bit crazy that he has not played a hardcourt ATP final before. Uh, but yeah, that goes to show that some players are just much better in certain like surfaces, and that's one of the beauties of, of tennis. In Stockholm, we had uh, Sitsipas not going quite all the way, um, and but I was kind of predicting Holger Rune to to go for a big run. I mean, he's a super talented guy, a very strong playing at the Moratoglu training there. And uh, yeah, he's very impressive how he uh, went through that tournament. And that uh, was pretty strong one. Stockholm this year was one of the strongest in, in many years, I think. We have reflected on that, that actually Stockholm was uh, was like the, the best tournament. Although when we say that the the European um, Antwerp Open as well was was pretty strong, and you know Napoli was <laughs> full of Italians. We haven't actually talked about it that these because um, because that's what I just realized last week. I told you that before is that these tournaments can only take place because uh, there's no tournaments in China because obviously there was the Shanghai Masters 
um, that sort of time frame, and and there was quite a few uh, pretty good tournaments, a five hundred, a thousand. So so there were there were quite exciting tournaments, but we know why China cannot uh, have any ATP and WTA tournaments at the moment. That's why they're just like um, basically coming up with these two fifties instead, mm, yep, which is absolutely true. understandable. Um, but the other thing is, which was we praised the Italians, but I was pretty upset with them because Andres Seppi um, wanted a wild card for either the Florence or the Napoli tournaments, and he didn't get it. Which I think for for a guy who who, who has been in a way the flag bearer for the Italian tennis for years, this is absolutely pathetic. I think. Yeah, I think that was really I was it was a pretty rude. Uh way for he i mean he was finishing his career he wanted one more tournament his body is breaking down i mean he's an older guy uh, but he's had a good career he's he's beaten federer in a slam and he's you know i think he won one or two titles i'm not 100 sure he's won four actually four that's, okay that's, that's why it's it's pretty interesting that he he's won four he's 38 and he's uh he's the only only well-known face of of pro Canucks, uh, which which is uh, which is also interesting because obviously a lot of people had seen Sappy play, and that's why they know that pro Canucks actually exists. Although yeah. it's a brilliant racket, and and you know we we talked about it many times that they are the the best sort of rackets for like elbow pain because they have those micro particles or whatever they are. Yeah, and 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 you rate them really high. I do have like six in my locker, so I I do rate them quite high. Although they're not for everyone, I, I have to say, because their balance is a bit sort of on the weird side, I would say, uh, usually, but I know that you can obviously change it. But um, but yeah, they're they good rackets. And um, and I did feel for Seppi, uh, he is playing a, a challenger um, main draw in Italy this week. So that will be his last tournament. He was like top 30, I think, or top top 50, definitely, but top top 40, top 30. So he has been a great player. He is um, deceptively tall because he's like 6'4", I think. So when you when you see Seppi and his his uh, how he plays, you wouldn't actually think that he's a pretty tall guy, but he's like 195 or something. So yeah, um, great career. I, I do rate him quite high. He has been, you know, a good second, third round player in, in slams, you know, for four tournaments um, under his belt, which is also pretty uh, impressive. And about Berrettini, I was shocked when you said that that was his first uh, hardcore final because he has a brilliant hardcore game. Like, you know, his his slice is one of the best on tour. Um, his forehand is, I would say, top three in the tour and his serve is top three in the tour. So, you know, you would actually think that he's brilliant, but uh, he's great on grass. So so that's um, that's one of his strongest suits. And obviously, Clay Court, well, he grew up on that. No, it's uh, it's interesting with some players that they they don't. It could be the movement, could be anything, could just be circumstance. But but he definitely plays better on grass, which you might not be super intuitive of, about his style. Same on clay; he's doing quite well on clay for for his stature and stuff. Uh, but this week, if we move on to that, because there was so many good players in the especially the Basel draw, and I, I just pulled up the draw and I you know couldn't stop looking at it because it's such a strong event. And must be the strongest. I mean, we don't have Federer playing. He's won 10 Basels, as you might know. But uh, we have like Alcaraz versus Draper in the first round. That's just like an excellent first round. Potential upset, I would say, if Alcaraz is not like 100%. I mean, he lost first round in his previous event. So who knows where he is? And then we have guys like Dominic Stricke. We talked about him before. Super talent. 
a very interesting player. Ujar Aliasim, he's going to be good. Huesler is also a talented guy, so they play in the first round. Uh, Brooksby, Rune, Musetti, it's, yeah, it's a packed draw, and we have a first round with Stan Wawrinka and Kasper Ruud. So already from round one, we have some exciting matches. Absolutely. I'm super excited about uh, seeing Alcaraz again, and um, I think it will be a good match against Raper. I think, again, what I said about Tsitsipas last week as well, that I think that um, Draper is still not there. And, you know, we are talking about like literally the world number one at the moment. So, um, and funnily enough, it's it's going to happen now. So so now the the listeners can know that when we, when we are recording this podcast, but it's going to be a super exciting match. And I, I am pretty excited about Vienna and Basel as well. And, and I think what you, all, all the players you mentioned, the, the first rounds are also almost like a Masters um, thousand event because it is, it is really, really good. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to predict. I would think uh, Felix is, is unbelievable at the moment, as we talked about. And he really, really likes these indoor hard courts. So um he can go on like a streak. I'm a bit surprised that uh, that Djokovic is is not playing in any. If I'm not mistaken, he's not playing this week. No, it's weird actually. I I, I expected to see him because also he is uh, gonna mop up these events potentially. How, I mean, how good he is on, on the on the hard courts. Like you said, I think from predictions point of view, I think Alcaraz is obviously there. Although I would not put him at on the first. I would probably put like uh, form is so important, especially in the end of the season when people are a bit tired. So Gerald Asim is a strong candidate, probably the first candidate. But then also Rune, I think, is is also in good form. So you have these title winners that can keep on going, and they're young guys, so they're they're very strong and uh, physically fit. So I think those guys are very dangerous for 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 the the Basel draw. But yeah, that's a great tournament. We have um, Vienna as well, of course, as Erstebank Open, which is also pretty strong. Medvedev, Vasilashvili, Dominic Team is back to playing well as well. As well, that's worth mentioning. Sinner, Rublev, Schwartzman, Dimitrov. I mean, you're, you're hearing the the draw is, is super strong. Like these two events, like you said, ATP thousand standard. Like Sitsipas, Chorich. It's you know all the matches are good pretty much, even from the first round. Absolutely. I'm not sure. I, I, I just looked at it, but Nishioka was leading Fritz, which was also pretty interesting. Uh, Fritz actually won it. Now I've just seen it. So Fritz, Fritz won it. Hachanov won. Uh, Hachanov is playing pretty well now as well. And I do have to not apologize. I, I didn't know. I, I just heard this rumor that it's going to be Medvedev's last game when he played uh, in Astana against um, Djokovic for the season. But apparently now he's there and playing the uh, seen better days, Basilashvili. Who's who has one of the biggest games on tour by far? I mean, he has the big like he is the biggest hitter when he's on song. Like literally, he's just absolutely smacking the ball from both sides. Dominic yeah, I love I love watching uh, Basilashvili. I think he's like one of the players I really enjoy watching because he just tries to blast every shot, but he does it with some consistency. You know, when he's when he's feeling it, he can play on like the highest level, beat anyone really. Uh, so fun to watch. He had some custody issues now. I think that might affect his play. Who knows? Uh, at least what, for what I've heard from my Georgian tennis friend. But uh, who knows? We'll see if it affects him. We'll see how Medvedev feels physically. I, I think there is a question mark there, even if he's still playing. Uh, but yeah, the event is, is very open. It's hard to say. I think team looks very strong. I think he's super hungry. He reached the semifinal previous tournament. And yeah, he's going to be dangerous. Taylor Fritz, always dangerous, as we said. 
Tsitsipas, good run in Stockholm. We'll see if he can carry on. It's hard to predict him to win the tournament. I, I, I haven't seen the confidence from him required to to win at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, um, Rune was playing really, really well. And um, and I'm just pronouncing his name now differently because I think that's that's how you should say it, Rune, uh, or Rune, or something like that. So I'm just trying my best uh, um, to uh, to say his name. Um, I like his style, by the way. I, I really liked him from from the beginning, and and you know I, I rate him really high. We said that we are not that happy with the Moratoglu choice um, in general, but I think you know it, it is it can work out. So you know it, if it worked for like Rune is is someone who has been there since he was like twelve, so everyone knew about him. He was one of those kids. Like Alcaraz and Rune was the two like top top guys. Like Musetti, these three kids were talked about in the tennis world since they were like re, like 12, 13. You, you knew that they were something else. Like that was the same with Federer. That was the same with Nadal. That was the same with, um, with Djokovic, Murray. So you knew that these guys were a little bit different, a little bit special from a really early age. Um, and you can see like, you know, now Rune is a top 25, Musetti top 25, um, obviously Akaraz is top one, but, but we, we're talking about such a great sequence of, of young players and it's really exciting and couldn't have come any better time when Nadal is almost out the door, Federer is now out the door, Djokovic, you don't know how long he's going to last if, if he doesn't have the other two goats there. We talked about it many times, how hungry he is. He sort of, you know, he sort of gave up on, on like, you know, going to Australia. He, he gave up on going to the U.S. That's why I'm a bit surprised that he's not playing in Vienna or, or Basel because he could have easily won that, not easily, but he could have won either of the tournaments. And, you know, that's a 500. Um, I'm pretty sure that he wants to just win uh, Paris next week. Yeah. Um, and, and after he just go to uh, Turin and just win that one as well. Um but, you know, Felix has a good chance of getting into uh, to Turin. And uh, in the form he's in, he beat Djokovic in their last encounter, obviously, in, uh, in the Labour Cup. It is, is looking spicy. And, and I really like the, the, the ending of, of the year. I mean, you know, as, as a first round encounter, Tommy Paul against Domi, Domi team is, is something else as well. Like, you know, they both guys are so much fun to watch. I really like to watch Tommy Paul. He's, he's such a great character. Um, and it's... It's just amazing now Domi has two semifinals and you know he lost to Korda last week uh but in a final set I think it was a final set tiebreak actually so it was really close it, it went down to the wire and um and Korda was playing well uh but you know Felix is untouchable at the moment yeah no that's that's true and I think he is a guy that we talked about it last time like that winning that ATP cup although it's a team event it kind of broke that bubble of, of having lost eight ATP finals in a row. Like he'd, he'd not won a title. He wins that. And now it seems like he's just unlocked uh, his his game and he's ready for it. And I, I saw an Instagram post by, by Tony Nadal. I don't know what their coaching relationship is anymore, but they they were, uh, he was congratulating him on his, his amazing progress, you know, two titles in a row that that's rare for anyone. So uh, I think it's it's impressive that maybe some of the stuff they've been working on uh, has been sinking in or whatever has happened. But but he's found some confidence level, and like you very well pointed out, he loves the the fast courts. Like he loves that slightly lower ball bounce. His serve is is awesome on on these faster courts. I mean he's he's really looking strong with with the forehand. 
and serve combos. So um, he's dangerous now for the end of the year. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, in general, we, we spoke about Felix last week, uh, but we can just go on with the praise because I think what he has achieved and, uh, and obviously uh, Tony Nadal is such a winner. Uh, you know, he, he made, everyone knows the story that obviously um, Nadal is right-handed and, and Tony Nadal said that, you know, <laughs> little Rafa, please pick up the pick up the racket with your left hand. And, you know, who comes up with that idea? It's brilliant. But, you know, who, who would come up with an idea like that? And obviously with Felix, <clears throat> he's, a, he's an unbelievable kid. And, and uh, now he's winning his finals really comfortably as well. So it's not like, you know, ooh, it's like, it's like really, really tight. And, you know, it's, it's just like um, sweat is dripping down and that sort of thing. No, he's just go, going out, winning at 6-3, 6-4, He's not even going to tie breaks. He's just, uh, you know, breaking the guys wherever he, he needs to. And then he just uh, finishes it. And his forehand, oh my God, when it's on song, it's it's a thing of beauty. Even with his with his lot of wrist movement, um, I think that's at the moment. And and I know that you would possibly agree with me. At the moment, Babolat's best racket is the pure um, pure Aero VS. Yeah, he's using an older version, but but yeah, and it, you see that with the it's for fast uh, fast swinging players like Alcaraz, uh, you know, Sok and uh, and Aliasim, and they can really generate good pace but with some control uh, with their really whippy strokes and and it, like i like watching that style that's a lot of fun to to watch and and he is a guy that I, I enjoy watching i wouldn't expect him to go on this kind of run after he lost that horrible match to rude uh, when he won like one game or something in, in uh, toronto i think it was right yeah yeah i think it was uh, they were in montreal this week uh, this year it, you know it's the it's was i i think it was montreal because he's a friend he's from the french speaking uh canada yeah. uh you can hear it on his, his accent he has a bit of a, a bit a bit of an accent in in english which is kind of funny for a canadian but you, you can hear that you know he's bilingual obviously and 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 he can you know and his name is obviously french so you know he's he's from the french speaking uh, community of of uh, of canada and and you know who else plays with Pierre Vias? uh rune or rune yes exactly <laughs> so so it's uh, it's 3 out of 2 uh this uh, week last week uh to babala uh, which is uh, which is also quite quite a good um it has been a pretty good week for Babolat. And, and Babolat needs a few heroes. I mean, obviously, Alcaraz is there. But, you know, I, I adore what Head is doing in terms of sponsorship. And I think it's brilliant that they're bringing in all these all these players. And, you know, if, if someone plays Head, it's really hard to go away from Head. Uh, to get to Head, like what Hatchinov did, is is a different thing. Because Hatchinov just couldn't put his... Uh, I think he plays age 22, right? That's, yeah. I think, his, his racket. Just couldn't find the mold couldn't buy a win when he was playing with Heb, so he went back to Wilson. But, you know, he has a really, really extreme style, so, so that's, not, that's not a surprise. I think Babala is now doing a good job with, uh, with Felix, with Rune, with Alcaraz, and it's scary if you think about it that at the moment they're in form and you have Musetti, who's head, and he's going to be uh, there as well. But it's going to be interesting when Djokovic and um, Murray just decides to hang up the racket because um, there's quite a few guys for head, but not really necessarily on top of the rankings because we've got Medvedev, we've got Akraz, we've got Nadal, who's almost out the door. Uh, obviously, we're not seeing any head there. Um, and we've got Tsitsipas. Yeah, Zverev, if he comes back, he's head. 
but it's an interesting one. And, and I just wanted to reflect on, on um, your last uh, podcast um, with the Labour Cup stringing team, because, you know, big up for those guys. It's just brilliant that, like, you know, not many people do understand that stringing is an art form. I know that you're not the biggest fan of stringing itself. I know you like strings and all that, but, but you don't really like stringing itself. I like stringing like one or two rackets. I, I can't for my life see myself doing five to, to 10. I think that that's when, and I also only like stringing for myself. I mean, I'm pretty decent at stringing. I mean, if I, I measure always the DT values, so you talk about that, you use this like ERT 300, which all the, the stringing pros pretty much use. And, and you get this kind of dynamic tension value, which is quite important. Some pros even ask for like, you know, I want it strung at DT 37 or 35, whatever it is. And they, I always measure it. I try to make sure, you know, my technique is decent. It's not the best, to be fair, but but I, I do like testing strings. I obviously need to string and test my own rackets. But when it comes to stringing for other people, I, I'm just like, oh, no, <laughs> it's not not feeling it generally. Yeah, I know. And, and, and you know, I, I learned it from the best as well. And obviously, when uh, when I spoke to uh, Richard and, and I spoke to Dennis, you know, they they are so amazing at stringing. I mean, like <laughs> Richard Bernal has a, a, a knot named after him. So, you know, that's 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 pretty impressive. And in, in the um, like the geek um stringing community and and you know there's there's obviously quite a few nice uh, nice groups on on facebook which which i'm part of and and you know stringing itself is is really really important and 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 also we don't really talk about it that much but it's it's sometimes almost more uh important to to have your racket strung up properly than to have a great racket because if 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 you have a two-year-old string in your racket it's not going to perform the same way Usually I have these moments, but please go and, and string your racket up every half a year if you if you play once or twice a week, uh, because it it can it can make absolutely miracles. Yeah, exactly, and it's uh that's what people forget. I think that's the most important part. I mean, giving props to the stringers, obviously, because it's a craft, and a bad string job really can ruin the feel of a racket and the performance and the control and everything. But it, it's also understanding the importance that it's actually the string that touches the ball. So if you have the right string at the right tension in your racket, it's going to make a huge difference to how the racket plays. It's, I would say it's a 50% at least of how the racket plays. So that combination, finding that sweet spot of racket and string when they work well together and they suit your game, that, that's, that's where it is. And then when you find that, that's when you should stop playing around with rackets because then it gets very very tricky because you have found that setup that works for you so i, I think that many people get lost in this racket search and they just keep going for for years and years and you you don't really improve because you're so focused on the racket do you know anyone who actually plays like uh, five rackets every week five different ones yeah, yeah i know myself <laughs> <laughs> no i i do i do have a few friends who actually do it and uh, i i've never been like that to be fair I, i'm when I find the racket, I just stick to it. I try to stick to it. And, and that was, that was my mistake. I tried it twice to, to go away from these sort of tweener frames. So yeah, the, the strings are really important. And, um, and I do try to, to talk everyone into a hybrid setup. Obviously it's not always the best, but you know, for recreational players, um, if you want to have something which holds the tension uh, fairly well, but also plays to uh, capacity and plays to, to your game and, and, you know, uh, you're not going to break it within within a week, uh, then I would possibly say the the hybrid, um, which is um, 
a polyester in the mains and and uh, a multifilament in the crosses is the way to go and i think that's that you cannot really go wrong if if you have a good stringer who actually puts that one in your racket yeah you could also if you want even softer feel i think the one of the main selling points i think when when i talk to players as well is that there's so many players with arm issues and and having a a softer string in either either the mains which is the main string so that's gonna have the most flavor or the crosses is gonna help your comfort level so i think it, partly going down in tension if you use poly but but try a hybrid and then if you feel like that's still not comfortable enough then you can definitely play with a multi-filament also on a pretty high level uh, one of my friends actually used to play because he had some arm issues in the past he was a pretty high level player he he used a multi-filament full bed uh, he hit it pretty flat but still like so people shouldn't get too like locked into only playing professional player style setups which is most players play a full bed of polyester but many 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 pros use also hybrid setups like you said yeah absolutely and and you know it, it was quite interesting when dennis fabian was saying that multi-filament is somehow not a cool string for me yeah. it is a lot cooler than the polyester if you if you in a way think about it because it's more expensive um, you know, it, it, it has characteristics as almost like a natural gut. So it is, it is a good string, mm. but it lasts longer. And, and obviously, you know, in, in the UK, you cannot really play with, uh, uh, with natural gut because, because it's, it's, uh, it's the conditions are absolutely awful sometimes. So, you know, we, we play, there's not a lot of indoor courts and, and, uh, we play in, in, um, like these wet damp courts and, and, you know, with, <laughs> with that one, the uh, even with the new coating, what what the uh, natural gut has and all that, just use a uh, use a use a multifilament. Uh, multifilament strings are great, and you know, the, you know, in my my liking, I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm not gonna say contradict Dennis Fabian because we are talking about literally one of the best uh, uh, string guys on on the planet. That's one of my my life goals to make multifilament uh, great again it's good and i think we we need to see maybe some more innovation there and that's coming for sure i'm sure many companies are looking at it i mean they're they're already started working on softer polyesters and we have many different soft polyesters on the market then there's something in between but then the multi side there this could be more work there and there's nothing wrong with playing with a multi i mean a multi to me feels better like if i would string my racket with a full bed of, of multi-filament i would generally like to feel a lot better i just i miss a bit of control so then a hybrid setup is kind of the perfect blend there where i feel like i get some extra control some more top spin but also the softer feel of the the multi or the natural gut even better if i can can do that but i think people should try it i think that's a general recommendation try a hybrid and or a, or a full bed of multi and i think you won't go back Absolutely. And just the last thought, uh, there's, there's a good reason what you said about the pro players as well. Like, you know, uh, we've got, uh, apart from Rafa, almost everyone and, you know, across who's like the, the really big spinner guys, the, the top spin guys, they don't really tend to use um, hybrids. But if you look at Djokovic, if you look at Murray, if you look at Federer, um, they all play hybrids, gut hybrids. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the main. That's the main thing. Like, if you look at Domi team, um, he was he was uh, tweaking around with his uh, with his strings, but I'm pretty sure that he's playing with a with a gut hybrid, as as much as I've seen, and and I think that worked for him the best. And uh, you know, you you um, 
and yeah, I mean, if 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 it would be the, the feedback of the movies and and the gut is just absolutely unreal. So you know, with that's that's the only issue about the polyester that's a, it feels a bit dead. So there's not a lot of feedback what you get. Obviously, it's you know amazing for spin and all that. But long story short, and just to close this uh, string uh, thing out, yeah, definitely if you have arm issues, yep, put down the polyester like instantly. Um, and just ease yourself back into it with a hybrid or with a full full bed of, of multi. Uh, don't go as, as far as got because it's ridiculously expensive. If you have money, yes, do it because it's, it's the best string. Yeah, and it holds tension the best. And I think that you can actually save, unless you're a big string breaker, I mean, then you need to go for polyesters. I mean, these kids that hit with huge topspin or if you're a very advanced player that breaks strings all the time, obviously... You know, a hybrid might not be enough for you, but for most rec players, even on a pretty high level, I think uh, a hybrid is definitely good enough uh, to, to play with. And it could be multi or gut, but gut holds the tension the best. And that's why it lasts a bit longer generally than a, than a multi. So it might make sense financially in the end anyway to go for gut. And it was good you mentioned the, the string stuff. And it was uh, fun to, to talk to these string legends uh, when I could about the Labor Cup and so on. Uh, we haven't talked so much about the WTA. We have the Jessica Pagula. She won her biggest career title in Guadalajara. Uh, she beat Sakkar in the final. I haven't watched a lot of uh, tennis in general, not the ATP, not WTA this week. I see some highlights here and there, but I always felt like Pagula could do more because she's quite a good competitor. So it's good to see her winning uh, titles. I don't know what's happening this week, though. I didn't see any um, tournaments. Do you know? Yes, I know. I know what's what's happening. So it's gonna be uh, the uh, WTA finals will be next week. Uh, yeah, it's it was great, Pagula, and we we talked about her uh, with the US as well. That we we were actually thinking that she's gonna make the final. She went to the semis, and and that was that was an unbelievable result. And and she has been playing really solid. The only thing which I see, and that might have had a, a pretty big because I just went on the ATP WTA app. Um, and I think Sakari actually played the semis and the final on the same day. Oh, wow. And, and the semi was a two-hour, 26-minute battle with Buskova. So I think that might have had um, a pretty big effect on her. I don't know what has happened because obviously we were talking about Mexico, so the, the weather must be amazing. I don't know what has happened really, but um, it, it looks like on the 23rd of October, she played two matches. So... Yes, great achievement for Jessica Padula, and and um, you know, sorry to even mention it because you know you should <laughs> should be just basically saying that yeah, what what she did is amazing, but that might have played a part. This week is just for Vienna and Basel, and um, in a way, it, it sort of feels like obviously we're not talking about too far away. It's like within five hundred k. I think Basel and Vienna maybe even less than that, like three hundred or something like that. So they are quite close to each other. So it's, it almost feels like a um, Montreal-Toronto sort of, um, what was that, uh, Rogers Cup. Funnily enough, because I, I didn't actually think about it that way. But, you know, both fields are absolutely amazing. And, you know, it would be quite funny that the two finalists do play or the two winners do play against each other in like a super match or something. Uh, that's just maybe for, um, for the future. But, yeah, there's... Um, there's quite a few interesting uh, tournaments in the Challenger as well. And there, there's going to be one, two fives in the WTA. So I think that might be the case. And that's why, um, that's why they, they are not, they're not playing anything else. 
it's yeah. it's it's a strange one it's a really strange one i must say i think it's uh, to, um yeah sorry i think it's uh the, the chinese part of the calendar or the asian swing uh, on the wta was even more important or strong than than on the atp so i think that's maybe what we're missing here because it does feel a little bit empty uh, when you look at the calendar to have uh, you have two atps and then you have the the wta finals on the 31st of october starting on the day after the rolex paris masters and then there's more normal wta sanctioned event this year but uh, i think that is in part because i i used to well i remember back in the day it used to be or like last year it used to be more events right on the on the wta calendar yeah absolutely and somehow it wasn't like this guadalajara thousand wta it wasn't it wasn't that big of a tournament i didn't think although mexico usually just just is one of the best places to play and and i know that the 500 in acapulco is is uh is uh some players favorite tournament which i can understand in many ways because i think it's a it's a brilliant place possibly to to play and you know you, they they play usually quite late in the evening so they start like 11 p.m or something ridiculous and they go on until like 4 5 a.m i remember that um so yeah it's it's a strange one it, i don't really know what the what the reason behind is uh, I think it has to be down to China, and um, and and for some people who don't know, it's because Shuai Feng. Um, there's a mystery around her, and and you know we don't really know what has happened. No one really knows, but the uh, ATP and the WTA uh, mutually agreed that they're just going to ban China from uh, from any sort of. Uh, tournaments and it's a sad thing to do because obviously now that the chinese men's players are are i mean obviously the the women's players were always pretty good and and there's so many talents in the women's game it's unreal but the men's now uh, have uh, quite a few guys who are knocking on the top 100 and there's already one jang or uh, his name is i'm, I'm not 100 percent sure but but there's quite a few uh, good young chinese players who who do play pretty big tennis it's it's a shame that you get to these political situations uh, but it you know the rest of the world affects uh, tennis and sports and, and everything generally so that's what we're seeing but uh, yeah we'll see when in coming years and if she turns up i, I don't know the situation there i'm, I'm no idea but I, i've followed it a bit before it would be interesting to hear your predictions for because we're going to tackle the paris masters next week and I would be keen to hear your prediction for uh, the two events. I, I, I put in uh, Ojer Aliasim and Rune, uh, which is, uh, you know, kind of uh, two picks <laughs> for, the, for the Basel tournament. And I'm, I'm struggling a little bit more with the, with the Erste Bank, uh, which is also packed. Who are your favorites for this week's? Do we have any big upsets? Um, I think Sinner, we haven't seen Sinner in quite a bit and, and his game suits, um, the, I mean, his game suits everything, but we haven't seen him for quite a bit. And, and I think he's a, he's a good bat. Um, he would actually play in the last state against Medvedev. I think Medvedev will struggle against team. Cause I do pick team against Tommy Paul. Cause I think that team is now playing a bit better, a, a bit faster, his service uh, working well. So I think that, that will be pretty good. So I will go with Medvedev for Vienna. I think he will actually somehow get it. And um, he will play Shapovalov in the final or uh, Tiafo. I will, I will go with Shapovalov. I might be wrong. He might lose to Rodionov in the first round or, or Fritz in the second. But I will just go with Shapovalov because uh, Shapovalov has been um, playing well. And, and, you know, when, the, um, when he's playing indoors, 
again, the same as with Ogiali Asim. His his backhand is absolutely ridiculous. I, I would I would break in 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 two if if I would have uh, Shapovalov's backhand because his his uh, take back and and his follow through is absolutely ridiculous. So he's like you know he's 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 doing ballet while while he's he's hitting his backhand. So I will just go with uh, Shapovalov against um, Medvedev and Medvedev will win. And um, it's always hard to bet against Alcaraz. Let's say that I, I will I will possibly say um, Alcaraz might just bounce back and win it. Uh, so I will say him. But if not, then I would just go with the Felix uh, bandwagon. And, and I will say that Felix will, will uh, win that because... Um, I don't really think that that Rune can can um, maintain his level uh, for that long because because he's good, he's great, and you know Stockholm worked out really well. But I, this is a bigger tournament, you know. There's a bit more. He's starting against Demi Nor, which won't be an easy match. Then he possibly playing either Umber or Brooksby, which which will also be quite quite tough. And after it, uh, he might face uh, Chilich, which which could be the end of uh, end of it because Chilich was playing pretty pretty solid so I will I will just go with Alcaraz I'm gonna play it safe this time uh and he will um face let's go with you know what let's go with Chilich in the final he will face Chilich in the final it's not a bad guess yeah I'll go with uh Aliasim to win in Basel because I, I think he might keep keep pushing this train I'm gonna be a little bit out there uh, and then I'll go for Dominic team in uh, Vienna Winning at home, I think that would I be cool. That. It would be a cool story, and it's a little bit of a gutsy move. But sometimes, yeah, you have to be gutsy. I think also it's nice to see these positive stories in tennis when you have like Dominic Team coming back from a really long injury, playing well. Like he did all this work, and it's really paying off. You know, you can see him playing back to his old level, and also you see guys like Ojeral Asim who struggled for such a long time, not winning, uh, not fulfilling his pretty extreme potential. And now you have them coming through. So in the end, the kind of talent and hard work seems to to win through. And that's what we've seen with, with some of the guys you mentioned also before. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, looking forward to talking to you next week when we have the last ATP Masters of the year to discuss. And uh, November, we'll also have some uh, Davis Cup finals that we can talk about as well. So um, lots of tennis to come. The match between Alcaraz and Draper has just started at the time of talking. So... Uh, I'll put my eye on that one a little bit as well. And we'll see who, who can go through there from, from Alcaraz and Draper. Thanks, Dennis. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Jonas. And uh, a lot of tennis to look forward to. And uh, see you next week.